On this podcast, two young travelers, Alex Dethrow and Jesse Lanier, will be going on a journey to find the greatest cinematic treasures. Each week, they spin the wheel of fate and allow destiny to decide whether the next few hours will be filled with genius and wonder or boredom and mediocrity. Our heroes hope to unbury hidden gems and share the discoveries with the world through humble conversations and maybe, if they're lucky, better themselves along the way. So welcome, one and all, to The Movie Quest. Hello, <laughs> friends. Welcome friends. to uh, this untitled podcast. Uncompletely untitled. Fresh this and new. This is a test run. This is the first. <laughs> this is only our hard. If this is on the internet, only our hardcore, second letter fans are going to be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, to get um, this, you need to come in. You need to come in through the back door, the secret entrance, this of the podcast a, cavern. <laughs> and this is a new podcast. That we are workshopping right now. Um, and this is going to be a podcast about um, movie gems, about watch lists, about letterbox watch lists, about. It's a movie club. It's a movie club with your two friends, Alex and Jessica. And we're trying, <laughs> and we're trying to discover all the good movies out there that we should watch. Yeah. That 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 we and the world. Well, yeah, us every, personally, this every, is about us every wanting to watch cool movies. Every cinephile, every movie lover, every person who movie not a movie lover, movie lover, obviously, but people who, you know, most people in my life have some kind of watch list. Either that's on Letterbox, shout out to Letterbox, that's my favorite app ever, um, or just on their phone, you know, or IMDb, they make a watch list of things that people have told them to watch, or or for whatever reason. And so I think most people have some kind of movie watch list even in their head, you know, not even be written down, you know? Right. Um, and so that's just what we have, but since we're cinephiles... We have a lot. We have a lot. So many. Um, <laughs> on my watch list, I think I have about 950 movies oh, that are added God. to my watch list. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is over the course of many, many years. This is a, yeah. you know, this is... I've had a letter box for, I think, four or five years now. So, um, you know, I'm not that crazy, but it's still pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And we need a way to get through all of those because yeah. that because it's hard. It's weird because even though everyone has a watch list, but there's always that psychological phenomenon where it's like, oh, I want to do this. I really want to do this. But then you just end up not doing it for some reason because there's something that's a little bit more immediate that seems appealing. Or, you know, right. the cat's yelling at you and you gotta clean the litter <laughs> box and it's like there's no time. I gotta I gotta clean this but shit also, up. I feel like also in the world of streaming there's just like a, a, a real sense of FOMO, you know, when you're like it's hard to decide what you want to watch. Uh I mean it got so bad for me that I would just that's how this podcast started. The, this idea of this podcast started where I would do a letterbox roulette. And that's kind of the concept of this podcast. Um, that we're pushing is that uh, each week we're going to alternate 
And this week, we chose Jess. Jess, who's the first? Who's the guinea pig? Who's the first the one to do this? And we open up our letterbox watch list. That's just our app of choosing. And we random, we shuffle the watch list. There's a great feature on Letterboxd where you can do that. Glad mm-hmm. that exists. Shout out to Letterbox again. <laughs> and you can, we shuffle it, and we, we have to pick, you're forced to pick one of the four movies on the top row. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like any of those four, and you're not feeling any of those four, you have a mulligan, and you can spin again. But the rule is that if you spin again, you have to choose one of those four. You cannot spin again. You can only re-spin once. And Jesse was the first one to do it. And what is the movie that you chose, Jesse? The spin that we got for this uh, guinea pig episode yeah. is uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Uh, high Fidelity. Yeah, man. John, John Cusack. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Fears film from the year... 2000. 2000. The year the, the world year was going to end. <laughs> the same year that That's Pokemon song, 2000 right? came out. Uh, the, it's in, the year the, 2000. I'm, no, the year 3000 by the Jonas oh. Brothers. Sorry. <laughs> is that the one where Wait, it's like... It's the Jonas Brothers? Uh-oh. Is that the one where it's like, I saw you underwater? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know in the year 3000. Who is that? Is that the Jonas Brothers? I, I yeah I think so. It's either that the right. Jonas Brothers or Bowling for Soup. Remember no, that it's not. It's, it's not. Yeah, I listen to them a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's the Jonas Brothers for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. But this was the anyway. year 2000, two thousand, one thousand years earlier yeah, than the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had seen this movie before. Um, mm-hmm. I this is I rewatched. This is probably my fourth or fifth time I've seen this film. Yeah. Um, cool. I watched this movie in high school for the first time um and yeah it was cool that you chose it because um so my first question is why why was this in your watch list what prompted you to add this so i in i was talking to the sound guy i'm sure i told you about this movie at some point you mentioned it to me a couple of times um and but the the reason the vivid memory i can reason why i wanted to watch it was keeping track of it was because i was talking to the sound guy at our old college who was a cool a cool dude and we were just talking about like movies and stuff yeah 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 and uh and uh he i I, we got into the conversation about like movies about like music gear and stuff like that and this and this film came up and i was like oh that sounds really cool it's like yeah it's a really great movie on top of having all of this neat gear stuff and nerdy music type of things so um it is the music nerd movie okay yeah um, and then like basically six years later i finally watched it <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly why we do this it's great um and uh did you like this movie yeah i fucking i, I loved it's this great movie, movie. It's great. um it's definitely it's one of those movies that when i'm sensitive to cringe stuff and there's a little bit of like cringe panic that goes on with this movie about For with sure. certain scenes but um i i i I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So once once you kind of get through the uncomfortableness of the for me the uncomfortableness of the first watch, like the the value of the movie just like continued to seep into me as I just sat with it yeah. and enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed watching it too. Once I kind of got accustomed to what the style was mm-hmm. and what they were kind of going for. Um, and yeah. you know, it's it's uh, definitely. Maybe my favorite rom-com I've ever seen. Yeah. It's definitely... <laughs> um, it, it's interesting. I, I wonder if this... 
I was thinking when I was watching it, because I never thought of it as a rom-com, but, but you're right. Um, it's yeah, I was going to I was gonna ask you if this was... Because te- I was think I did... I, it occurred to me if I, that I would define it as a rom-com, but I'm not sure if that was accurate. I don't know if it's... In, I don't know if I would call it a romantic comedy, because romantic comedy, there is, you know... It's that not, formula. Yeah, it's not... It has elements of a romantic comedy, but for me, it's more of a breakup movie, sort of a breakup comedy, um, that, uh, you know, has, obviously, romantic comedy elements to it, you know? Um, right. Yeah, and, it's funny, because because in terms of the genre definition of romantic comedy, it doesn't fit that, but it's a movie no. that is about I mean, romance it, and comedy. Right. If I saw it in the bin, um, you know, if I went to Target, it was like, on Valentine's Day, you know, they put out <laughs> the Valentine's Day movies, and this was in there, I'll be like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a romance movie for sure. I mean, the, the whole, yeah, yeah. it revolves around romance. It revolves around relationships. So I understand, you know, romance, comedy, it's a funny, make me laugh, but it also has romance, rom-com, like, all right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Fine. yeah, yeah. I get the loop, but I wouldn't, you know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of it's just kind of funny how that's a weird kind of because you're. I agree with you. I it's kind of a put weird it thing to call same, it a rom com. I wouldn't put it in the same you know categories like when Harry met Sally or Four Weddings and a Funeral and you know the Hugh Grant films or you know anything like that. I wouldn't. It's very different than those films. And right. Purposely, and, uh, which is one of the things that I like about this movie a lot. And I agree. Kind of that's what I like. A cult film, a cult hit. Um, this is. Um, I saw this film, a little story of this too. I saw this film in high school for the first time. And the reason I watched this was uh, there were two actors that my dad, when I started getting into films, there were two actors that my dad was like, I fucking love this guy. And yeah. <laughs> one of them was uh, Michael J. Fox, yep. who changed my life forever. Uh, yeah. Black Future and Family Ties, and I think he's still the coolest guy ever. Um, super inspirational actor. Love, I've, seen, sure, I've probably sure. seen every single Black J. Fox movie ever made, which is embarrassing, but I've seen them all pretty well. You need some kind of, like, uh, bronze medal for that. You need, like, a... I need to like, start a podcast where I just talk about the Fox, you know? <laughs> every, But it's just you. It can yeah. only, It has to be a solo podcast. Maybe I'll do, yeah. Maybe I'll do a solo podcast called the Michael J. Fox Show, and I'll just go by every single credit that he's ever had, and I'll talk about it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. But the other actor was John Cusack. Yeah. That my dad was a big fan of. And I, um, him just telling me that, so grateful for him to tell me about John Cusack because he's been in, you know, he, in the 80s and the 90s, he was, um, a big star. He was a big, big, he was a big movie star and a cool movie star. He was very, uh, different than your average, um, actor. There was something about him. It, it's actually funny thinking about Michael J. Fox and John Cusack. To me, they had the same charming, um, irresistible um, nature to them. Even though like, Michael J. Fox has played assholes in movies and John Cusack has played assholes in movies, but you still yeah. kind of love them. They're, they're, they have the, both these actors have this really great, endearing, every man quality to them, which yeah. I think a lot of actors strive to have and want to have, but it's just a magical thing that 
And to me, hospitality is the peak John Cusack. I think that this is his best performance. I think that this is, if you want a whole comprehensive thing of like what makes John Cusack so great, this is the film to watch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing thing about John Cusack, especially because Michael J. Fox has this quality of being immediately likable. And my experience mm-hmm. of him is mostly he's immediately likable and he's playing pretty likable people. Yes, um, but my experience of, of John Cusack is that he's most of the, uh, like in being John Malkovich in this movie, which is well, what I, I know him for most of being John Malkovich. I have a poster of being John Malkovich right now that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, and this, <laughs> I, I was thinking of being John Malkovich because yeah. of the character similarities the, between yeah, the there two. There is a difference. I think this character is. Absolutely. Yes. Being John Malkovich is a lot more of a nicer person, but he's also more of a recluse, more like a sire person. There is that same kind of like Ed's asshole. Yeah. Yes, to them, you know? But John John Cusack is able to play these characters that are in high fidelity, like real like jerk faces. Yes. Like he's a real he's asshole, an asshole in this movie. He, he says in this movie, "I'm an asshole." He's an but, asshole. But it's not, and it's it's interesting because he it's not like he's just saying he's an asshole when he's actually a likable guy. It's like no, he's legitimately yes. like a really oh, yeah. he's a real jerk. Yeah. But he still has that quality where you want to like him, like right. even when he's being a moody dick and you don't like no one seems like he wants right. to be around him. He has this kind of mag- magnetism to him mm-hmm. still. That's um you know it's not it's kind of unexplainable. It's just in his performance. It's in the way that he is captured on the screen. And I don't know if you know this, but he actually is one of the writers of this film. He, he was one of the, the four That's writers of this film. And I think that there's that is a big reason why his performance is really exceptionally great in this, because I think... He really knows he the was, character. Yeah, he's, he's the character, but he's also writing for him. Like, he's writing his yeah. voice, you know? Yeah. And so what results is one of the most quotable... Um, comedies of the, you know, of the 2000s, one of the most yeah. quotable kind of cult uh, movies. And there's, like, a lot of things that I love about this, like, film that I think make it, for me, like, a real comfort movie, a real, like, you know, if I have nothing to watch, I'm not really in the mood to watch something new, I just fucking put this on. Fidelity. It's such a comfort movie. It's such a uh, sweet movie funny as hell, you know, it's, and, uh, it's one of the, and we'll get to it, like, like, probably later, but, like, I remember the first time I saw this movie, there was a, or the second time I saw it in college, uh, revisited it, mm-hmm. this movie, there was something about Rob's character that I related to extremely hard, like, like, real hard. And uh, we can get to that later, but uh, I just have, like, a real kinship with this movie because it is where, like, we are, we're both, with being uh, film nerds, we're also music nerds. Uh, we, both, we love music, and not as much as the characters in this movie, but, um, you know, it, I, I know guys like this, you know? I know guys like Rob, and I know, you know, people like this that have this pretentious look at music right you know and so that makes it really appealing to me also um you know just like it's just at record stores i just love the atmosphere of record stores it's such a comforting thing to me especially 
now in 2022. In 2000, it was retro in 2000, but in, in 2022, it's like, it's a real wild place to, it's a different place to be in now. It's such a hipster culture now. Yeah, yeah. But, I think, um, I, I also found it really comforting, all, all of those reasons, like, hit the nail on the head yeah. about the, the why it resonated so, per, like, kind of made me feel fuzzy and and, and comfortable. Right. And it's despite... a very wholesome movie. It's a very, like, it, 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 it leaves you very happy. It's a very, very hopeful, very happy film. The other thing I think it was really resonated to me about it was about a, a man, a young man going through a crisis about relationship and future and identity and, and yes. working yeah, to yeah, sort yeah. of process this, but, like, very on the ground and in a very human way. Um, and he has this great way of Rob. Rob's character is, in the beginning is pretty blatantly misogynistic. Like yeah, he's oh, very yeah. misogynistic. Well, what I love about Rob as a character too in this, like in Cusack, what makes because no any other actor playing this role could come off really bad, could come off Absolutely. really um, you know unlikable. But the thing about him is that he's so honest with the audience and that, that something that this movie does that a lot of movies not a lot but few have really accomplished is fourth wall breaking and that was really impressive i was really impressed is, with the fourth wall i i don't know it's this and, and ferris bueller i think do it probably the best because i just think the way that she fears directed this movie i think is like you know, oh, what's I, the one about Harvey Harvey Picar? That one too. Oh yeah, American Splendor. It's a really good. That, 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 yeah, that, that's a really good I really th I thought of American Splendor a yeah, lot a good, when I was watching High Fidelity. Too, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Especially especially the person of a likable character who's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, a very yeah. likable person, <laughs> yeah, kind of have shitty qualities guy. about yeah, him. Yeah. But uh, he still becomes like this yeah. really enjoyable person to watch and agree and with. What I like about High Fidelity is like some of these great like fourth wall breaking. It really does. It's not like a a lot of fourth wall breaking movies do it as like a winking at the camera or like a joke way where yeah, it's, it's like, it's oh, gimmicky. you're watching a movie, you know? But what I like about the approach that Sigur Fears took with this is that he really, like, Rob is like almost like taking the audience of like, you're, you're with, he's like, almost like the audience is like his buddy, you know, a best friend that like he can tell anything to you know and like i'm you know you're you're gonna be with me in every moment every you know deep sad hard moment and i'm gonna tell you about it you know yeah and, and it like, also you know, i feel like it really reflects how um there's two things i like i think is really effective about it where one it it doesn't just expedition dump information that the writer thinks is important it's really information that develops an, a, a deeper layer of Rob's psychology. And then the other thing is that it, it does a really good job, I think, of that experience of when people, like I know in my head, when I'm kind of going through things, I kind of almost pretend like I'm someone in power presenting my ideas to like an yeah. audience or something like that. And that's very much like the position that Rob's in throughout this movie where he feels very powerless and small and like a loser. So it's like right. he's imagining himself in a place of power, like telling someone like his knowledge and what he knows, yeah. even yeah. though it's just in his head, even yeah. though he literally is doing it. So it's kind of like this, yeah. it becomes like this really cool, effective yeah. meta thing. And there's a that lot of really great, works. really great books that, uh, um, 
where yeah they yeah it's funny it's just it, well written well it's really well it's really funny that with the fourth wall breaking it's like the way the scene feels like staged uh the scenes it's so great like he'll be on the bus and like doing talking to the chair on a train and like the way that you just never really see it done like that you know where it's like very um it's just so well shot and well staged and well edited and put together and like it's weird because i was thinking i was like you know one of the things and i was thinking about rom-coms and i was like you know especially rom-coms in this era in the 2000s and in this there's and some of them are great but the the looseness of some of those films and comedies especially around the, we're about to get into this era of comedies where it was very improv heavy it was basically just four cameras they're playing characters and funny people and they improvise and sometimes that really fucking worked like Step Brothers, like you know the films of will ferrell but when it doesn't work it's one of the worst things you could ever see and that's right. where we are now where but it's funny to see a movie like this it just reminded me of like a comedy that genuinely had a vision and genuinely had a like a uh like a directorial a, vision yeah, with the camera work vision, and stuff. A camera work I agree. the way, like, the surfers, you know, he's a great director. He's made a lot of really interesting and different films. Like, he's been described as very much like a, a chameleon. He can kind of do anything, and he kind of can make a lot of different things. His filmography is really interesting. Yeah, but, I think that, that, that point, that's a really good point, and that's, I think, why I, I thought of it like why I was thinking of being John Malkovich and American yeah. Splendor, because those are two movies that are comedies, but are more like direct directorially mm -hmm. yeah. written focused rather than the improv scenes, which I agree. There's not, it's not like that improv method is bad no, because not. you can get when some great powerful yeah, energy. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But what you sacrifice is that it, it's like TV show shooting. Right. And so if you get it, if you get it shitty, then you have this movie that's like so, fucking boring it's unbelievable well, there's no um, there's no driving thing a lot of those comedies like if they don't make you laugh you're fucked there's nothing to because you're structuring this movie around only laughs and there's no real story to them you know in a real core of like like people are not watching the film for the they want to know what happens at the end you know, in, in the story. They're laughing with the... If you do it correctly, like, they're... You're enjoying the film because of the characters, the situations that they're in. Um, and the story is really loosely around. Those kind of the genius of, like, films like Kyle Giga Nights and, and like, uh, Anchorland. Anchorland, the story of Anchorland is, like... Absurd. I mean, it's absurd, but it's not even... It's not even worth saying what Anchorman is about. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, really, really, because it's like, it's it's just about the performances of these amazing comedic actors. And, yeah, it's just a, it's know, just a sketch, it's a sketch movie with the Anchorman character. Yeah. With a super loose through line crowd that doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. But, which, uh, which is why I love movies like this in comparison, though, because it's kind of, um, you know, it's a form of comedy. I think the it made me, really made me want to watch The Worst Person in the World, because when you were talking about that movie, oh, uh, is the yeah. kind of comedy that, like, it's that kind of written, because that's a comedy, right? That's like a, yeah, for sure. almost oh, like yeah, a rom-com. Yeah, sure. yeah. But it makes me, made me think about how i i like way heavier comedy than, than, yeah 
Well, yeah. But I, I like comedy movies that are yeah. that are like that, that are that are well, written well. and directorially focused and have like this sort of story vision around yeah. it. But comedy's not like this side, you know, flavoring. It's not a sprinkle. It's like it's a big focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, scenes are meant to drive this story, but they're also meant to make you laugh because that's what I loved about High Fidelity, yeah. where all of them have like these powerful, powerful character moments while yeah. also being like so funny or just a specific line communicated this character. Yeah evolution while also being a hilarious joke on top of that and that right. that that depth uh to to the scenes of this movie was really exciting to me yeah it's, it's really it's a really like yeah it's a super it, it's, it's a really really funny movie and it kind of you know sad kind of sad because like in a lot of ways you know it's so the spell is like just the beginning when he's when it, so he breaks up the first scene is him breaking up with Laura, and right. he breaks the fourth wall, tells the audience, like, about his top five <laughs> breakups. Yeah. And just letting the audience in on kind of this, his personality and uh, how all these relationships end up, and just in that first scene, you're like, oh, this guy's the problem. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what I love about the arc of Rob's character is that the arc of him is him realizing, yeah, I am the problem. I, I am the problem. I'm the one that never, right. you know, and just using the arc of him creating these tapes, you know, these mixtapes for people, and the arc being, not only am I making this for my girlfriend, I know, you know, you know, I know, uh, I know what I'm going to do, because I, I genuinely care, you know. I'm not making these yeah. mixtapes to, um, to you know get ahead or get FOMO he had crazy FOMO the problem with Rob is he was like he would always look at people and be like oh you know she's better than my girlfriend that I have right now he yeah would, that was know. the genius yeah. the genius of that of like that 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 setup scene compared to that final scene about him talking about the <laughs> fantasies that he has about women it's just yeah. like that's like really genius writing yeah. with that that book ending of that realization right. and like and it's hard to do that effectively because you have to do it where it's obvious to the audience that he's the problem immediately, but you also have to make it believable that he doesn't and that's, realize and, that. And that's like kind of like that's the thing about this film that I love, and like th- things like this that because I always think I'm always impressed when you know because yeah you're right you do like you genuinely are like you made the audience understand that this guy kind of sucks. And yeah. You still kind of want to watch him. You still kind of yeah. like, like watching him. <laughs> And, like, that's the really hard part about it, because it's, like, you're tiptoeing, like, you're really risking, like, losing the audience and not even want to watch this main character who's basically in the every single frame of the movie. And I think part of that is because of, like, Rob is an asshole, but he, but he, but this movie is about him trying, right? Yeah, it's he about, really desires to right. to have real legitimate human and connections all, and, and meaningful things. And we all can relate things. to that. That is a super, yeah, exactly. It's a super relatable thing of, like, trying to better yourself. Yeah. And just <laughs> the ways that he goes about it are often highly just, like, just crazy. And, like, my, my favorite stretch in this movie is <laughs> when he's, like, he has to go to all his ex girlfriends to like find yeah. out that yeah. he's not <laughs> and like just the bit of him going to I think her name's Sarah 
this uh, the or no no no. Um, Is it Charlie or are you Charlie? That one's of... great too. That one I really yeah. too super hard. Like, <laughs> when he goes to that dinner party, that like wealthy yeah, dinner party, yeah, I'm like, oh a, my god, I've been there. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my god, I was there last week. Yeah. Oh. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I hate that scene. Is like, oh fuck, I'm good there, man. But were you? Are you talking about the 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 blonde girl? The blonde girl who who uh, yeah, who basically tells her like, did you like? Why did you not sleep with me? You know, and he's such an asshole to her. I mean, it's such a he nukes this whole date, and he says it where he's like, I basically fuck everything up by yeah. asking her straight up like, why didn't you sleep with me in high school? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, and what's so funny about that scene is like, any other person would be like, oh my God, I feel so bad about it. I just made her upset. Why did I ask her? But instead, he walks out of the bar and he's like, yes! Yeah. Like, yes! <laughs> yeah. Like, I, because he finds out that he, it's such a narcissistic and selfish thing. And yeah. For the art, that whole stretch is so funny to me, and him meeting Charlie and seeing how much he does not like her anymore, you know, propelling him to be like, yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking, and it yeah. kind of makes him rethink things. And you know, and honestly, really that's actually that's actually kind of what uh, when you're putting that together, that's another great moment of his like kind of transformation, a step in the transformation. Because yeah. with all the other girlfriends, he's taking these narcissistic takeaways, right. and then when he re sees that in Charlie, he it's like he's recognizing like himself. evil in yeah, people, right. and he yeah, can start right. recognizing it in himself. Like, for why the first am I attracted to this person? You know? Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's like, or why was I? You know? So it's like. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, finally, he starts to look within himself, which is not good. He's always looking for the problem, and my favorite probably side women. character in the movie, that whole, this whole subplot with Laura and fucking Ian, playing like Tim Robbins. Amazing. Who's a hilarious cameo in this <laughs> oh, movie. he's so good. Um, he's so fucking funny in this movie. I really liked him so and, much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, but that whole subplot is so funny, such an asshole but you know Ian's such an asshole but that he is such I mean him you know like basically trying to get Laura to be like did you sleep with him you know and like not really until the end of the movie realizing like why that even is a problem to him you know yeah and Laura I thought was such a great character also like that character could have easily gone in a completely different way but you kind of see why she likes him so much right and, right the, another yeah. another nuance about it because it, it when you're writing a very misogynistic character or a person yeah. struggling with these misogynistic ideas it becomes it, you, you run the risk of just making a very misogynistic movie that just, <laughs> totally, is, yeah, just rubs absolutely. everybody the wrong yeah, way totally. but part of the reason why i think this movie works so well is that the all the female characters are really badass like yeah, they're, they're really yeah. fucking badass yeah. and laura is so dope she's yeah. so cool uh yeah. she's also flawed she's She's not like this perfect alternative exactly. she she right. has these really human like conversations and sense I mean, these she things. she's so likable with the neighbor 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. upstairs. Like, that's kind of, you know. And and the other, like, like their mutual friend, I heard name Liz. She oh, was a great. fantastic yeah, Jim, Jim character. Cropper. Yeah, Jim Cropper. Yeah, she was great. so funny. Yeah. Uh, all of the fem- all of the ex-girlfriends were also, <laughs> like, you know, really yeah. interesting, dynamic uh, characters who uh, I, had... I was, look, I was, when Charlie, I was like, oh, my God. And Cracker Jane Jones back then was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Fucking yeah. gorgeous. Beautiful she person. She looks kind of yeah. crazy now. Plastic, <laughs> pl- plastic surgery, baby. Yeah, it does but, crazy uh, shit Yeah, too. she, I, I, I kind of learned, oh, wow. Because Cracker Jane Jones, she's kind of out of the, not a movie star anymore, but back in the 2000s, I mean, she was in this movie called The Matrix, and I've never seen it. Or, oh, you know, right. she's in, you know, tons of different uh, things. And, yeah, she's, you know, smoke show in this movie. And, you know. Yeah, she's she, perfect casting too. That was a that was yeah. another situation. Oh, yeah, the casting awesome. in this movie is really great. Where and like then, the moment you, you see them, it's out. like that's exactly right. You want to talk about Jack Black? Like, Who might have been, I think he was because, my favorite character in the well, whole he, movie. So this is um, his, he was so in a lot amazing. Of ways, this is his breakout. This was his breakout role. This that makes sense. Wow, movie. that's he's crazy. In, he's in movies before in the nineties, and he's the you know he's one of the most talented and charismatic people. I don't have to describe Jack Black to people. He's one of the most charismatic and likable people, actors ever to exist. And, um, yeah, this movie's just fucking, again, though, an asshole. You know, Jack, his character's a dick. And, but a lovable dick. And Jack Black's the only guy who could kind of play a role like that. Like, you know, and it's just, again, great casting i i love i love the this movie i can totally see how this movie kind of started his career and this movie Mm -hmm. is i mean i think it's my favorite performance of his because i feel like directors only saw half of what he was so good at they saw Mm -hmm. how crazy and still likable he could be in his presentation like his over the top scenes and they missed how good he was at acting these really emotional points like my one of my favorite moments is when he Barry is at the counter and he has that guy come in and he's so cute. He's so cute about this guy be like, You wanna be in a band with me? And he's acting yeah. all cool and he's kinda yeah. awkward and he's been like this huge asshole that. bravado. But then he turns into like this little kid and who's Rob, just being cool. Yeah. And, and Rob excited. comes out and he's like, So you're just telling me that you had this ad up for seventeen thousand years and you're just gonna <laughs> act like, you know, that, 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 it's just a garage band, man. Yeah. That's what I love about Barry and, and uh, what's the other the other Dick. guy? I think his name's Dick. Dick. Yeah, he is funny as fuck too. But they all are they're such like because they are when you first meet them, you're like, dude, what? They're pretentious, and they like Barry kicks you hate them. He Barry, <laughs> you hate yeah, them. He, he kicks <laughs> this guy out for not having a an album for his daughter. Yeah, you know? it's brutal. He's it's such awesome. a, and like he's like, you don't want that. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, um, yeah, there's such assholes, you know, and so, and Dick is, well, Dick is kind of different. He's more of, like, a reserved kind of, like... I thought Dick was an amazing representation of someone with Asperger's or, like, on the autism spectrum. Right. Um, but right. being, like, showing them as being, like, these humans that also exist in the world who right. live among us and, and are, yeah, can be really cool, likable people. Really, and I love that there's a, that great scene where he talks to the... 
the girl who's like playing and he's like, yeah, I'm just kind of the mix of, you know, Green Day and that's know, such it's a very a, sweet scene. What a heartwarming scene! It's yeah. so it's so amazing, yeah. and I love with the with those with those characters. It's also I love how this movie does that, where yeah. you have like that spin, like in the beginning. Like you're right, they're so um, aversive almost. They're so mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah. please take them off the screen. Right. But then by the end, they're like this little family unit right. that's like so right. it's it's so heartwarming and amazing. And it's not like and it's not like I was thinking about Groundhog Day too with this movie. Groundhog oh, Day is yeah. fantastic, yeah. but Groundhog Day has the trajectory of Bill Murray's a bad Bill person, an and asshole. at the end, right. and at right. the right. end, he's a good person. Right. This movie's different. It's a lot more like nuanced in mm. that development. Where at the beginning, it's like these people are awful and I hate them, and yeah. by the end, it's like these people are still flawed and they're well, working really hard, yeah. and I, they're working so hard, <laughs> and I love them so much. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> I never. Holy crap, dude. I've known you for. I don't know. Seven years. I've never heard you slip into a. A Boston accent. It's so wicked high, dude. Holy shit, dude. I've um, never done a yes. Boston accent before. That was my first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just look right in this. <laughs> Maybe something's hiding deep inside, dude. It was a past life. <laughs> a past <Yeah>. life of mine. <laughs> I was a Boston. <laughs> cool guy. A Bostonian. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah. but yeah. yeah, man, I love that. I love that trajectory of like slowly falling in love with each of the characters. And it's so yeah. satisfying that they all have their, you know, their subplot arcs through them these character arcs these little mini character arcs they're so well flowed throughout the whole thing you know yeah for sure and it's never like uh yeah it's it's it never gets in the way of the main story which is always a problem with subplots you know it's like to write a good one you want to have it like you know be interesting and flesh out the world but you don't want it to hinder the main story you know yeah Um, which is like it's an it's an impossible task to do, and this movie yeah, even makes it feel hard. even more impossible because it's written, but it feels like real life. It yeah. feels like the camera is just, you know, a fly on the wall right. that's experiencing real life moments totally. that you that we have seen in our own lives and have totally. gone through. It's like we've met these people and we've seen them go through these arcs and yeah. um it's 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 mind blowing that someone, a human, was able to conceive this and put it together in this way. Yeah, to me, really, it's really always well mind blowing. Really, really, really well done. It's also based on a book, also. Um, yeah. So, um, I know that they had a cool blueprint for this film too, um, which is dope. Uh, there's a lot of writers, it's like five writers or something on this film. So I thought right. it was really interesting. Usually, when you see that. It's usually a disaster. It's usually like too many cooks in the kitchen, but it seems like that they just had the perfect amount of. Um, right. There's so many amazing ass lines and scenes in this movie that are I, just so great. <laughs> I think this might be one of my favorite scripts of all time. It's so fun. Well, it's one of the. It's, it's really, really. People who love this movie fucking love it. I mean, it's, it's a huge cult. They did it. Do a, they redid it. Do a Hulu series a couple years ago. I I um, did see that. That I yeah. did. I don't think that did quite as well. <laughs> as, it got canceled. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like one season. I think it was yeah, really crowded. I think that's right. My sister really liked it. She's a huge fan of this movie too. But um, she really liked it. But I never. Yeah, I never watched it. But it got. It was popular enough where 
you know, they could make a series out of it, you know? Yeah, actually, like, that's the, here's a context question I'm curious about. Like, what, what, what was, do you know about, like, what happened, like, when this came out? Was, like, this, uh, uh, I don't. This, I was, you know, like, I box would, office and, and stuff like that. Yeah, because I, I was wondering about that, about, like, if this movie was, like, I'm um, sure. a big hit, if this movie was kind of a cult movie so, from the beginning. I'm sure that it was not great in theaters. I might be right. wrong. This, to me, screams, like, screams uh, DVD rental. Like, extremely mm-hmm. well. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. The early 2000s, like, this just screams to me like music nerds, you know, people in their Super 20s. Super niche movie, yeah. Yeah, like in their 20s, um, who this movie appealed to would rent this movie over and over and over and over again. You know, their blockbuster, you know, their local block. I bet this was a giant hit when it came to DVD sales, you know. But I don't know. Maybe it didn't do well in theaters. I'm not quite I feel sure. like. My 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 vibe with this movie is I feel like if this was a movie that the masses did see, that it would become like this huge, like Oscar winning, big right. big deal. But I could see this being as in the way that it was presented, people were kind of because that's kind of been my thing with it. Yeah. I didn't have a clear sense of what this was, and my picture of it in my like head, before we watched it, yeah, was yeah. so different. I can't quite. I'm trying to remember what how I thought of it as, but I think I thought of it more as like a straight up rom com or like a yeah. I didn't think of it as being such a deeply personal film yeah, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I wonder if there was also a more bit like of a that fun, like more like a rom. yeah something like that just kind of like a goofy movie that was superficial but really great yeah uh which is not what this is in the slightest Mm -mm. it's not like this at all um it is that but it's more than that right yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's the great thing about it though right because it is a fantastic romp while being uh this deep human story um so that's that's interesting i i kind of i think i agree with you that it's probably just one of those things that was just like a a dvd huge i mean i'm serious i thought this was like i wouldn't be surprised in like 2001 if this was in like the top five dvd sales or something right like which is like a really sad thing talking about this is a tangent oh hold on let me mark this before we go down this rabbit hole <laughs> okay. uh, because this is like the conversation of like a movie like this being made now right about it's like without the dvd platform yeah. it's like yes they're streaming for this, but the big, but like this movie, I think you're right. It's like its platform is like the joy of the the, the brilliant DVD landscape, and it's yeah. like, would is this is this movie would a it movie have the like same this? success on a streaming platform? Yeah, the, 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 the thing it is would like, get watches, but would it get its money back? You know, the problem like, with the DVD thing is that streaming has ruined the mid budget movie. What, what this movie is. This is probably like a $40 million movie. Maybe probably less than that. I think it's $30 million um, when I looked it up. Okay. That's mid-budget. Anything right. over like $25 million is like considered like a mid-budget. $30 to like maybe like seventy is like a mid-budget movie. Right, which makes um, sense. And those movies are basically good. You're either a low-budget movie or you're a fucking mega fucking hundred-plus million-dollar movie. Yeah. And the reason for that is when Sinon is the death of video stores and the death of DVD sales because it was DVD sales was like a second release of the movie and we still have that today but it's much different I don't know the 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 deals that go on like Banshee's Atlanta Sharon for example 
That's on HBO Max. I don't know what the deal was for that. Like, did they, did Focus, or her, I think Focus produced that. Was it Focus that was like, did HBO give them a flat rate to buy it? Did they, like, was it like a, they gave like $10 million or something to have it on streaming? I don't know. And what sucks, and that's why it's limited, because streaming, flat rate. Right, you know? exactly. You don't, yeah, have the, exactly. you don't have the success of, like, if the movie's great, like, High Fidelity, for example, it's not like, say it was a, say it's like everything everywhere all at once, the way that that movie blew up, right? Say, like, they, it was made during the pandemic and they didn't know what to do, and they're like, all right, let's give it to Netflix for, you know, it was a $25 million movie, $30 million. We'll put yeah. it on our screen for $30 million. Terrible mistake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because think about it, that movie made <clears throat> probably close to it's probably made close to two hundred million dollars. This is the box office. Yeah. So they would have lost a lot of money to the, the way that movie blew up. So that's why mid budget movies are disappearing because right, right. they don't have the chance to to have a second life what they used right. to. Right, because the DVD sales is, oh. is consumer dependent. It's based on what yeah. the consumer will buy, and you get a chunk of each sale of DVD. Well, but you don't, get, like you, you don't like, get anything for the stream of you. No. You know, it's like it great. It brings in attention for the streamer. Yeah. You know, if you get a totally. movie that like gets a lot of views, then people are going to subscribe to that streaming service. But that goes to fucking Netflix. Like you're totally right. It's not like you get like a dollar for each view. Right. Right? That was Spotify too. It's kind of a it's, it's a growing pain it's really that we're different. trying to figure out. Like it's how really, do we redirect really that? like back yeah. into the artist because people aren't going to start buying DVDs again like it doesn't make sense no, anymore I mean, and VOD still exists like you know like you can rent you know obviously did you rent this movie out of film that you rented yeah it? I rented yeah. it on and Prime so like yeah like that still exists where like you can actually give the studio like direct money like renting it you know right which is I think is good and that's probably what led to the Northland for example being a success because it right, was the VOD. people rented it people heard it was fucking great looked great people rented it and then primed on it and then it just was like you know got more eyes on it and it's funny because it's like that became a profitable success but I don't really know what that means you know there's a limit you know with some of these strange things the limit that's the problem it's like it's, a, it's hard for movies to spread and because there's so much I'll say it horseshit on streaming. There's a lot of horseshit. Yeah. Most of it actually is horseshit. Especially on things like Netflix. All that most of that shit is garbazio. Yeah. Um and when a good thing comes out, so easy for it to get buried. Just buried and disappear. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and well, also like the FOMO that we're talking about, like with great movies, is that when when you're so overwhelmed with all of these garbage options, yeah. then trying something new becomes like a really hard thing to do because it's like, well, I could try this, I could spend four dollars on this, but it's probably just gonna suck like everything else does. So I'll just watch something that I know doesn't suck, or I'll just put on The Office again exactly. because I like that. Right. You know, yeah. and it's like that. Who could? I yeah. can't blame anyone for that because I've been through that exactly. every single day yeah, of my of course, life. Man. You can't, yeah, you can't blame that. I mean, it's, but how it's, do we get out of it? It's just like a weird. It's just a different thing. Like, um, yeah, it, it's, I think what you were thinking about, we were talking about the question that you were asking is like, right? What high fidelity get made today? Yeah, probably yeah. not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Like, maybe. And if it were to get made, 
it would have been a streaming movie. It would have been like mm. a, you know, a Hulu movie or something. Right. Um, probably and this not is, that much money. And it's, and it's interesting to see. It's like, well, it'd be interesting. Would it be as directory as it is now? Like, prob- right. I don't know. Probably it would because it would have to be a passion project of some yeah. kind to <clears throat> right, like right. really get, get pushed through. Maybe. But it, or yeah. it's just like a studio sees the appeal of like a vinyl yeah, could easily yeah, they tap that into easily, that niche specifically. Yeah, yeah right. Could easily um, just be like, let's make a vinyl movie. Oh, we have yeah. the rights to high fidelity. Let's, yeah, you know what I mean. But, yeah, but high, but that but that quality about it being like a, a DVD hit is another sort of warmness I have towards that feeling of like this thing, like that being obsessed over something in a DVD format. It's kind of a cool thing to me because it's just people who care about it who are putting that work well, into also, like like yeah. finding it. It's like it's it's a passionate niche who yeah. like love this movie, and that's such a, like a that's such a meaningful fan totally. base to me. That's well, so also cool. like the, the I mean I, I I was lucky enough to like grow up in the kind of soul like uh, video stores you know right. and like I don't know it's just it, it's just a more fun environment to be in because it's like you know you can share you know you can share things you can give things you can easily like you know the thing that's hard today is like especially I mean uh, another thing is like there's I've had a lot of bad experiences now with movies that are genuinely like you can't watch yeah, yeah, you Which can't is find insane them. insane to me, uh, because of whatever reason, you know. But on physical, it was like everything was printed on physical back then because it had to be. That was the second release of the movie. Like a small independent film or even a film like this, like a mid-budget film, they put a lot of money into the marketing of the DVD because it was a big, it was like the second life, the second life, you know. If you die in the theaters, you could come back to life on DVD and, or DVD and have a, Pretty successful run, you know, if you market it correctly and the movie is great and targeted the right audience. Yeah. Now it's so hard to even target to audiences, you know. Like back in the video stores, like you were like, you walk in and you'd be like, horror. Yeah, it's all right comedy, there. Comedy. Right. You know, I like comedies. You go over and it's like right next to fucking Groundhog Day. Like, I like Groundhog Day. Oh, this looks cool. Pick that up. Yeah. But yeah. and then and then the alternative, the benefit of the time that we're in right now is that if, more, if if right? we find a way to psychologically trick ourselves to actually explore like what like why we're doing this podcast, if we yeah. find a way to kind of get ourselves in the mindset of doing that, what I have definitely discovered, it's like okay, so in a video store, you go and you go to the horror section, it's fucking awesome, and you have like. Yeah. 15 to 20 movies. Now, you probably have... Probably more than that. You probably have like 100. Right, But like now, we have like a million for story. Right, like exactly. like two, all, three, no, no, no. three million. All, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Yeah, Pretty every, much all of them. every yeah. single one. Yeah. So like our, right. our access to be like, I want to see this movie. Well, you can probably find it. Probably. You know, there's the, these exceptions where it's crazy when you can't find a movie. It's like, what are we doing? This is insane. It this is me, insane. It makes me want to be like, <laughs> buy everything. This we want to like, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, I the idea that a high fidelity like a dog. I know. For whatever yeah. reason, you know? Like, it was hard to watch fucking uh, Old Boy. It still is hard to watch Old Boy. It's one of the yeah. most iconic Korean films ever made. And it's, you can't, it's hard to watch it online. You're not going to buy a DVD of it. Yeah, you know, so and that's like and that's the thing about, like, streamers taking off uh, shit from their platforms. That, like, these original films but that, also, like... Just disappear. Yes, dude. I mean, it's terrifying. Netflix is 
they're gonna they're gonna crumble soon. I mean, it's probably within the next five years they're not gonna exist anymore, probably. Because, like, they're just, Crazy doing, thing to think about. they're just doing dumb things, and it's just unsustainable what they're doing. So, yeah, and I mean, I mean, even in a, in a, when you think about it, it's not, it's not probably realistic to expect a business to perpetuate forever. So when you're thinking about no. like these, with like these things with art or whatever, well, that's terrifying. Where the hell is Brown and Buster Scruggs going to be? Yeah, where's exactly. that going to go? Right, exactly. Which, uh, yeah, which we we've had this conversation of why, like, we need more things like Criterion to kind of, right. you know, help boost these things, collect yeah. this stuff. I th- I think there'll be more openings in the market for stuff like that. Like yeah. when we when we have our first streamer explode, whether it's Netflix yeah. or something else, then there's gonna have to be like a whole bunch of like, all right, let's go, like, send in the ship. The Titanic has sunken. We have to save as many people as we yeah. fucking can because they're going down. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to lose them to the icy below. Um. But I know. yeah, I, I would assume maybe like maybe like in the contracts or something, contracts, maybe like the Battle of Buster Scruggs, for example, maybe like if Netflix did go out of business, like the Coen Brothers get the right, like get that film, you know, maybe they get the rights of that yeah, film. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So they could actually be like, okay, let's put this on some other streaming service or distribute it in some way, you know? Yeah. Because um, like that, the fear of like the Irishman, like whatever you think about it, the a Mark Scorsese, you know, film by a master filmmaker, like, just being, like, gone is just fucking terrifying to me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting thing where but High yeah, Fidelity is... I don't know if High Fidelity would get made today, man. Yeah, but it's, it a, it's, it's an interesting thing where High Fidelity, if made today, would be in this awkward spot. But yeah. because it was made in 2000, it's now kind right. of solidified as, like, this comfortable... A cult classic. Cl- yeah. Cult classic that's yeah. probably going to be remembered. Like, we won't forget For about sure. High Fidelity. It's already 20 years old. Yeah, and yeah. it's still it's still in here, and it still fucking slaps. It hasn't. It's not old. Doesn't feel no, old amazing. at all. Oh my gosh. Um, I also like yeah. So we can do whatever we want with that. Mark <laughs> 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 that, cut that, whatever we're gonna do with it. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's more things I want to talk about. High fidelity. Yeah, let's get back you. to it. The back to the movie. I love about it. It's like. One thing that I noticed, this is super nerdy, I don't know how much people like this, but the way it was directed, I just noticed something like this time where Super Fears, lots of close-ups, lots of mid, uh, medium shots, which makes the screen feel very intimate. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah. Which I think is actually kind of unique um, for movies like this. Like they're, because the way that he shot, it's shot on film, and it's shot on anamorphic lenses and it's shot very like shallow focus these close-ups i really liked how it makes it feel super intimate like especially like i think of like the bar when he goes to like just like invite her (laughs) crazy scene when he just goes to invite her to a bar just to ask her if he had sex with uh, but that you never really know what the bar looks like like he just walks in and sits down and it's just such a intimate close-up shallow focus of the two faces that's all you see you know uh, in that scene it's not like you know you could have easily shot a wide shot but it's like he keeps it intimate at all times always like which is a uh, the framing of it is actually you might not notice it the first time but the second the few times i watched this i'm like yeah this is a really efficient framing of a film like this that makes it feel a lot more unique than i think that's a, that's a, a really lot good of point. other films 
And it's also and it's amazing set design too, like uh, just everything about yeah, like it's the just, record store, uh, yes. all, yeah, oh, his house, oh. yeah, it's all really good. So great. Uh, um, but the other thing about that, now that you mention it, that's a really good point, and and it makes me think about how this movie is really just uh, shot reverse shots linked together. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Really simple, but not crazy set pieces yeah. or things like that, or really even that crazy events. It's just people talking to each other and the camera flipping back and well, forth between that's them. That's the thing where it's like you. That's the, the way that he shot this movie, but also the performances. He's relying on the amazing performance of John Cusack, where this is a hard performance because he's basically all, almost all in close-up in this movie. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. very intimate. And yeah, he has can't to be, break at any no, moment. No, no, no. He has to be very, very um, subtle, you know, um, movements in this movie. Like, there's very subtle... You know, he has to track the, the transformation of, of Rob in a very subtle way, which, like, you know, is, is difficult. That's kind of what makes John Cusack so wonderful. It's so fun to watch and funny as hell, but it's when those emotional beats hit, they really hit because he's really, you're with him. You feel like you know Rob. And part of that is just, yeah. I just think this is so much more intimate than it, than it needed to be. Like, yeah. it, that's what I think really makes it a comfort movie to me, because I really do feel like I just want to watch, I want to be with my friends. You know, I want to be with Rob. Yeah, it I does. Feel like it, a friend of mine, you know? It's kind of, it's kind of like, that's like the magic of the movie to me. Yeah. It's just like, dude, it's like you put the camera in the perfect place and you have that, because it, it sounds like, it, it, it's because it has that perfect blend of directorial intention while also staying out of the way. You know, he's not, it's not. Right. Exactly. It's, not, it's right. not imposing ego, but it's also a nice control. Yeah. So it's keeping it's things. A great filmmaker who really just like I mean, Steve Ferris is gonna make a movie forever, um, and you know he has like sixty plus movies or something. He's just like Holy a really, <laughs> really, really efficient filmmaker. And like, yeah. And I know that like Jack Black, for example, like was really nervous to be on set. It's like. You know, he's a real, he's a real fucking gunner and knew, like, exactly what he wanted to do, like, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. I don't think people talk, I love what you said, where it's staying out of the way. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that enough, where, like, that is a really hard thing to do. Like, yeah. for a filmmaker to not, um, because, like, this movie is so beautiful and so, like, yeah, right, like, meticulously, you, you know, it's not just, like, you know, sloppy, just like shot or shot, like boring. Everything is interesting. All the fra- almost every shot in this movie has some kind of beauty to it, some interesting, you know, visual thing going on and intimate. But like, you never feel like it's getting in the way of the characters or getting in the way of the story or the comedy, which is like yeah. a big, big thing. You know, yeah, that's it, hard it, to do. It's hard to fucking disappear like that. Like, yeah, it really is. I feel like the other person who's I can think off the top of my head is Martin Scorsese is a totally. fucking oh, master yeah, 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 at yeah. that. Well, like, even him, like, you know, things like in Casino, and, shit, and you feel the filmmaker, like, you feel like, oh, yeah, it's a fucking Scorsese track shot. You yeah, know? he has a, he has a bit the, more personality the in there. Playing, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I love about him, too. You know, he has more personalities, but I, I'm always so impressed by 
PYC series and a lot of guys who you might not even know on the top of your head that can really tell stories superficially, but they, they're just so good. They're just out of the way. Kind of like Sidney Lynette was kind of like a guy like that who made, you know, 12 Every Night and amazing fucking yeah. films. Yeah, amazing good comparison. Films. Like, really fucking, like, he's made some incredible, incredible films, but you never are like, you know, he's just, like, this, he's just this insanely efficient, amazing filmmaker. Like, just yeah, but not enough still... people talk about because he doesn't have that style or that personality, but it's like, dude, his, his movies are still, like, up with the best of them. 12 Every Night is one of the most tensing film movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, is it I mean, a Tarantino uh, movie? No, but it's just as tensing build as something like Pulp Fiction, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, that movie, that movie's, yeah, that movie's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because it's it's still different than what we were talking about earlier about, like, the improv-based comedy types of things, which is almost, yeah, like, right. too out of the way where it's, like, yes. it's, like, surgical, you right. know? It's, like, a... When it doesn't it, work, it feels like there's no vision or anything behind it. It's, it's not, it's a machine. Yeah. It's machine right. built, you exactly. know, put together with nuts and bolts right. rather than a human behind right. it. So it's, it's, it's still very intentional and, yeah. and human. So yeah, uh, the directing is great. I think that's one of the things that makes this film so great point. Yeah, stand great out point. and really great. And then I also want to just like mention that there's also like some of my favorite like bits in the movie that I think is just like really funny. Yeah. Uh, it's not funny, but it, like, just really well. The scene where it's revealed, I love how this movie also, like, throws you into the breakup. And you don't quite know why they broke up or anything. Like, it just doesn't lead you into that. I love that, too. That. You just and the way that they slowly kind of reveal kind of what the reason. And when that is revealed, that is the moment where you're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. This guy sucks. And what I love about that scene is how they're parallel from from uh, Laura, Laura telling uh, Liz, you know, all the, the you know the abortion and all the you know that seems crazy, really and, technical. And going back to you know Rob, you know, telling the the audience kind of his side of the story and you know hearing this, but at the end he'll just be like, yeah, I get it, I'm an asshole, you know. And then he, I think he literally has a line where if you want to. You know, he's like, if you, you want to stop watching her, he has some line where he's like, if you want to stop listening to me, stop now, you know? And, like, him kind of, like, doing that to the audience, it's, like, a pretty, pretty actual powerful thing. There's a weird thing with fourth wall breaking movies where it's so rare to actually, um, I don't know, this is one of the only fourth wall breaking movies where I'm seeing where I actually will feel uh, a, uh, feel something when someone's breaking the fourth wall. Because yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Because you really do feel like you're with him and he's letting us in to a really dark and intimate thing, you know? Yeah, and, and that's always about... admirable about anybody in life or in movies or when someone's honest, even if they're being, even if they're being um, racist, misogynistic, there's something admirable about someone being completely honest you know and reveal yeah revealing themselves yeah yeah and and it's also it's amazing at that point in the movie 
when when he does that, he says that if you want to stop listening to me, stop it yeah. now. You know that you have this moment of immediately being like, this guy is the asshole. He yeah. is the problem. But yeah. I want to keep watching with right. him. I, yeah. And why do I want to stay with him? Is like a question that right. like emerges in your head. It's like, <laughs> what what is it with this guy yeah. that wants me to keep watching him? Which is a big pull of the movie. Yeah. Which the kind of the knowledge that you have to have about making the movie to know that that moment would work to have that bravery yeah. to put that out there. You know, it's kind of a ballsy thing to do but totally. it works without question and then another thing that really the soundtrack is amazing yeah saying the soundtrack to high fidelity is good is like saying orgasms are good it's just, <laughs> it's just good it's just good good it's songs good. deep cuts you know uh there's that great when jack black first introduced the walking on sunshine is fucking hilarious uh the songs are great um, I love also what, what's also fun about this movie is like, you know, any other movie or other films that have been about like people who are maybe, and we can thank Quentin Tarantino for this, but mm-hmm. pop culture references within films, no one was really doing that until Tarantino came along when they were actually referencing movies and music in films that exist in the world. Right. And... This film really does capture, like, really, really well, like, because they easily could have talked about bands that are really popular, you know? But they they really do stay true to, like, you know, these guys are fucking nerds. Like, and the whole recurring thing of, like, top five thing. Yeah, too, really cool. Really brilliant and funny. And really like that. really becomes really poignant, too. Um, but, you know, the, this idea of, like, the top five, you know, when they were talking about top five opening tracks, and like yeah. all of those, yeah, like, yeah. I've never even heard of any of these. Like, but it, I love that they kept that integrity of it. Where the characters, where they're like, they're not gonna dumb down. But like, they're not gonna be like, you know, Jimmy Selker by the yeah. studs. It's like no, it's like they they actually have real opinions. It's almost like that they those actors were allowed to actually give their actual opinions. Like what, like fucking. Um, uh, the thing that I was like, oh, but was uh, Rob was like <laughs> the opening track of this great uh, National Attack album. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was the last thing I was gonna hear in this movie. Was yeah, yeah, I thought Rashid that was cool too. Reference. Yeah, it caught but my ear to hear one that. One of my favorite uh, bands, but um, yeah, so yeah, I love that they kept that. So easily could have, easily could have just been like. You know, referencing you know modern artists, and, and but like they kept the integrity of it, which is was great. Yeah, so, yeah, it really felt all like all the dudes, music stuff is fun. Yeah, know? yeah, they do a really good job with that because it actually sounds like dudes talking in a record shop about it, um, rather yeah, than like when you real. like you go just Google like top best songs or whatever. You, that's what it's like. I mean, if you ever been to a deep record store like that, like there's a store in Pittsburgh called Attic, and you go in there and like you hear these people talk, you're like what? Yeah. Yeah, well, what, are like, what, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? Seriously, like, in the encyclopedia knowledge of some of those guys that work in record stores, like, and sure, like, you can say the same thing. Like, I work at, like, a video store. I'll be that guy, for sure, you know? But, you but know, it's, the, just, it's amazing uh, to hear music. Is, I don't know, music is weird. It's, it's crazy to me because there's so much more music, I feel like. Right. You know? And to know everything is, is wild. 
And I feel like it's interesting about, because I feel like the logical conclusion to make, the logical but incorrect conclusion to make is like, okay, we can't talk about things that are too eclectic or people won't understand and thus they won't find it relatable. Logical, right. but not quite right. what the truth is. Because really what's intriguing is having these people who know information that I don't, but I wish I did. And that's the thing that I yeah. like about these characters. It's just like, ooh, even though they're assholes, even though they're pretentious, I I want to know what they're talking about. I wish I could be a part of this conversation. Well, right. And then I think also the relatable aspect is like, most people have something like that in their life. That they're obsessed about, that they yeah, know more right, than right. anyone they're else. Right. About. So it's really so that's, authentic. That's a relatable part. Right. Um, another last thing that I kind of want to mention that I love, another thing I love about this movie, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's like, there's a part of Rob's character that I remember seeing in college and being like, oh my god, that's me. Holy shit, yeah. holy shit, holy shit, holy <laughs> shit. Is when there's a part where, towards the end of the film, he's um, reading his top five uh, dream jobs, which is so funny. Where it's like, oh, yeah. I want to be a music yeah. producer in this era, I want to be this, this, and this, and then, and then an architect. Yeah. And, and Laura's like, you know, Why do you have this? Try to architect. It's like for seven years, you, you know, you're gonna be an architect. And she's cracking up to record store owner. So I love, but right after that, he has this monologue where he talks about, you know, I never saw myself as a professional critic or musician. I kind of saw myself as a professional appreciator. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and just being like. I, yeah. I never, it just was like, oh my God, that was like, I just related to that so hard. Like this yeah. idea of like, you know, I'm not almost uh, intelligent enough or knowledgeable enough to even be a critic or someone who is like in that space, but I'm a professional appreciator. I'm an, I'm an appreciator of art in general. And I love that him realizing that i love that you know him being like this is just what i am and you know embracing that i remember just thinking like man i gotta embrace that in my own life because yeah like, yeah and it, like that was a big thing for me in college i was like yeah that's kind of what i am like i kind of i love art and a professional person i want to make something but that's what i love about rob character is like the art of him too is like he makes something you know he gets those uh he gets those fucking hilarious those the side skater kids so yeah. good. <laughs> he gets those side characters in their band and that scene is amazing too and they're listening to the album and they're just like like Darius is fucking pissed that it's good it's so you know? good <laughs> yeah. yeah I love and, that uh, yeah he comes out and he basically is like I will put this out and you know him taking initiative you know something that he's passionate about and you know he's using that professional appreciator to for good for his benefit, you know, for you know, and for him to learn that and do it, it's, it's a triumphant moment, you know, in the movie. Very subtle one, but it's a very like fun, fun one, you know. Yeah, that, it's a great. That it's whole a whole great... party scene is so triumphant and, and beautiful and great, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, yeah. It's that a part really... of the movie real hits home. Really hits home every time I watch it. I'm like, damn, dude, I am this. I am wrong. Yeah, I, never, I don't. <laughs> I don't have top five breakups, but. I relate to him super, super hard when it comes to that aspect. Of his yeah, character. it's a great, it's a great element that um, 
you know, opens the room of how to define yourself where you don't have to be like one thing or the other. You can be like, I'm right. in like this middle territory that more yeah. accurately describes well, what kind I of am. That's part of the movie is defining yourself. Like, yeah. A, you know, this is a really great, you know. Yeah. Um, the last, the, the, maybe a good way to end this is I wanted, I also was just really um, moved by how they dealt with the ending of this too. Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I thought the ending was really great where, uh, not, not necessarily, it but it, 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 it's the way that they decided to leave it in a place that was so perfectly concluded yet yeah. also open-ended. You exactly, know? yeah. Like, right. Rob gets to a place, this realization where he has that fantasy speech which we mentioned earlier about yeah. how he doesn't want to chase fantasies about being in a bed relationship. He just wants to be with Laura, who he loves. Right. Yeah. Um, but it also puts in this place where Rob is not like the angel, unlike Groundhog right. Day, he's which where, where Bill, Bill Murray is like bad yeah. to good, and he's clearly good by the right. end. You know, with hard resolutions of he's going to be a good person tomorrow. Rob's yeah. like, you've learned something really important, but you might be cheating on Laura like next week. You well, know, that's what and I like have to about, go through this. That's what I love about this movie. It's like, yeah, it's not like that's not how people are, man. Like, absolutely, I mean, you know, you're yeah. not like you don't absolutely. fucking, you don't, you're not like. Like you go through, it, you're like I'm the different person. It's like yeah. no, the difference is that he's working on it. Yeah, that's the difference, right? Is at the end he's like, I recognize that this is part of me, but I need to work on because I love this person. I don't want to lose this person. So he's acknowledging that he the work that he needs to do in this relationship, which most people do. You know, being in a relationship or being in any kind of relationship, there's work involved. Like it's not like. It's not like just like fucking willy nilly for men. It's a little easier. I can not I can probably not talk to you for five years, and then the next time we talk to each other, it's like we never left. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but there is still, you know, any kind of relationship. It's like you actually. It's not all daisies and, and roses. It's, it's it's and I love that this movie acknowledges that. You know, it, it, the point of it is like, you know, there's always going to be complications in relationships, but it's about how much you can work for it and how much you're willing to work to make it work as much yeah as and i love person. that about about their about their relationship because i feel like sometimes relationships movies are like is about tallying up crimes against one or the other and right. then seeing well, if that's like what, you exactly yeah yeah that's but what this, rob does that's what but, rob does yeah and that yeah but yeah. then by the by the end of the movie what's so great what i love so much about them getting back together is it's like they get to a new point where it's just like you know we did shoot shit to each other that's really awful, and we don't yeah. have to pretend like that doesn't exist. Like, that's part of exactly, our history. Right. But despite that, I still want to be with you. <laughs> yeah, so, that, what can we do with that? That fucking scene when he asked her to, like, marry her, you know? That I love that scene. Amazing. I like, love that scene. It's so cute and wholesome, and I just love that she's like, she's like, that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. Like, yes. Because she's basically like, listen, I love you. I know the fucking. I know that I'm trying, I'm trying, I need to commit though, you know, he has to commit to something. And her being just be like, yeah, like that's, you know, that's all I wanted you to say, you know. And like, just that is just so great. And that ending, yeah, is super iconic and great. And, and I, what I love about that setup too, that's so wonderful, is that uh, Jack Black's band, Sonic Death Monkey, Laura put this together out of, out of, his will, he didn't want to do this in the first place. And that's another thing that I love about that character is that she has so much confidence in Rob that he, she just pushes him to do this thing. Yeah. Uh, which is great. And 
Act attacks would be so like, oh my god, like this Barry's gonna fucking perform. Yeah, and yeah, it's Jack Black. Yeah, he's, one of, he's <laughs> an amazing singer. So he comes out and does this awesome performance of Let's Get It On, and I just love that. <laughs> they're just dancing and he's like what the fuck like yeah, not what I expected that. at all really really cute the whole thing is an amazing way to like end it and so uh, great I just love you know love happy endings you know I sad endings are great you know but this just makes you feel good at the end it makes you yeah. you're like yeah I believe the relationships they and, and work. it's <laughs> and it's a, and it's a happy ending that's that feels well earned to me it's and, it's, exactly. and, it's, right. and it's so it's so satisfying yeah. um and it feels so it's like um, a cop out turn you know yeah yeah well, it's through really... the shit to earn that you earned it you know yeah so i i, I love that i love this movie i really love yeah. this movie i I'm feel like it's gonna like be it, man. it's awesome <laughs> so um, iconic and so and so uh so great so wholesome and so beautiful Definitely uh, added this to the collection. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So that's our that's our that's our new thing that we're gonna do. It's gonna be like would Hold we? Hold on, I lost you. Two talking. Uh, the the question the question that there we're we gonna go. ask ourselves at the end of episodes now is yes. would would this would this movie that we have watched on our watch list that we were thinking about watching for a long time would this go on our literal or theoretical movies collection of great movies that we love and would theoretically rewatch again over Indeed. and over. Uh, High Fidelity is definitely one for me, and you already said it's one for you. But I already have it. It's right here. Yeah, so this is definitely <laughs> one that like, I'm I, I'm now going to like avidly be seeking this one out. This is just one of those right. movies where it's just like, oh, I really I need this. It's a new, this it's is, a new, it's a new comfort movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just really need to have it because it's just totally. it really it really hits. It just really hits. So yeah. definitely going in the collection. For sure, Go right in there. All right, let me find my phone. I lost okay. my phone. Well, that was a great test episode. Great. Yeah, it was. We got things to chew on. But uh, would you like me to roll? Spin the wheel, son. Let's right, see what's so, next. Uh, I also think we'll make a note of this on the recording. I think we should do this in the beginning of every episode. Oh, right, we right. Be like, we're going to talk about high fidelity, and then we're going to spin it and like, say what's next week. You know, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Talk about the movie. So we don't have to wait. You know what I mean? We don't have to wait the whole episode to hear, like, what the next movie is going to be. You know, it might be kind of interesting to, because for, for us when recording, I, I love the idea of putting it first, but in recording, it might be interesting to record it at the end after we talked about it and then just oh, yeah, cut, yeah, it, yeah, cut yeah, it to yeah, the beginning. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, that's fine too. All right, watch list, shuffle. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. Shuffle. Shuffle. <laughs> The first one is Fast and Furious uh, Tokyo Drift. Oh my god! I've, I've never you seen haven't to- seen that. I haven't seen Tokyo Drift. Uh-huh. That's, the, that's the only one I haven't seen. Oh yeah, that would be pretty funny if we did that one. And then we have a film called Buffalo Sixty Six, okay. which is uh known for being like a fucked up serial killer movie. Okay. Then we have the Robert Zemeckis film Contact. With Jodie Foster oh, and yeah. Matthew McConaughey. I love, I love that movie. I haven't seen that never movie Never seen while. it. Yeah, um, movie. And then there, there's Pickpocket, which is a Robert Lasson film, which is a yeah, yeah. 1950 
nine. And is that four? That's four. That's four. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> those are, those are, that's an interesting splay for sure. I, I'm definitely leaning towards contact since I've okay. never seen it. Um, but I'm also leaning towards re-rolling because I live life on the edge. Well, uh, if you, I would permit, I, I'm fine. <laughs> contact is cool. I'm cool with context, but I would permit a re-roll. <laughs> I'm permitted. I can permit a mulligan. Or we could do Tokyo Drift. That would be funny. It would be pretty funny. Well, you've uh, seen Tokyo Drift. Have I seen Tokyo Drift? Is that the one I saw? Have you seen all the Fast Crazies? I've no. I'm spotty. I've seen Fast Five for sure, and yeah. I've seen Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know if I've seen Tokyo Drift. Have you not seen Six? I don't know if I've seen Six. Dude, you gotta see Six. <laughs> this is awesome. Wait, is that the newest one? No, dude. Six. I saw nine too. I saw nine. Yeah, I saw nine, nine too. Nine is the greatest thing ever, did. All right, I'm gonna re-roll. Okay. Because I live life on the edge. Interesting. Wait, wait, okay. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right, so you had Maps to the Stars, which is a David Cronenberg film. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen that came out in 2014. I haven't seen that either. I was the film you named before Crimes of the Future. Okay. Then I have Dead Ringers, which is another Cronenberg movie. Oh, two Cronenbergs. Two right in, the, right in a row. You haven't seen Dead Ringers? Not, never seen Dead Ringers. Oh, that would be an interesting that's one. On, that's on uh, HBO, I Then there's a movie called The Mermaid, <laughs> directed by Stephen Chow. The, is that a horror movie? No, no, no. It's Stephen Chow, the awesome filmmaker behind films like Salad Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. Oh. It's the Mermaid, the student child movie. And then the fourth one is In the Heart of the Night. Oh, what is this? This is, uh, who stars in this? Oh, yeah, Sidney Poitier. This is a 1960s film. Um, but I think I got a recommendation from a podcast. That's like a cool crime, 60s crime movie. The, in, I, the heart, in the heart of the night? In the heart of the night. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Richard or Norman Juleson, who also directed Moonstruck, which is one of my favorite romantic comedies ever made. Um, All right, so what are you thinking? I don't know. I'm thinking, let's do fucking Dead Ringers. Okay, that's sick. Do that. Yeah. I've always wanted to watch it, and um, I'm kind of feeling like Cronenberg in my life. Yeah, let's do um, it. That sounds great. That'll be right. that'll, that'll be that'll be perfect because I've seen Dead Riggers before, so now oh, we'll cool, flip okay. yeah. and, and uh, I'll cool. be the experienced one next time. <laughs> cool. All right, so yeah, we'll do Dead Riggers. Maybe that'll be the true first episode of the podcast, that, like the true first one to actually put on the internet. Cause yeah, Cronenberg, I think this one's wor- I think this one's workable too. I'm yeah, pretty confident. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's but... definitely working. I mean, might as well. I mean, fuck it. Just fucking whatever. Just fucking overload it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, but Dead Ringers, that sounds sick. Yeah, I'm excited. Dead Ringers. All right, David Cronenberg, Jeremy Irons, that's a 90 film. That 90s, the 90s, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you guys for listening to this first episode, or if you're hearing it at all, I don't know. You probably are. But uh, yeah. if you're listening to it, um, thanks for listening to this. This is the first. We're workshopping something. I like it so far. I do too. This is a, it's the first episode getting, of we'll Insert Name better. Here. We'll getting, yeah, Insert Name Here, Untitled Podcast. <laughs> we'll uh, keep getting better and we're excited about it because it's kind of what we always wanted to do. 
and uh, I'm signing. Thanks Me too. for listening. Thank if you, you are listening, <laughs> bye bye. Bye.